Welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the incomparable Star Trek Discovery Flashcast, although in this special edition we'll be talking about a little bit more. I am Scott McNulty, joined, as always, by my co-host and partner in life, Jason Snell. <laughs> wow, this is the best <laughs> podcast ever. Hello, Scott. Hello. It's great to be here to talk about Star Trek. We are Star Trek partners in life. That's right. That's. I thought the Star Trek was assumed. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in that the context, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> so we're going to talk about, uh, as we do on this podcast, Discovery, because there is a short trek that uh, has been released recently, uh, and we're also then going to delve into two trailers that have also been released around uh, New York Comic Con. One being the uh, Discovery season three sneak peek sizzle reel kind of trailer that's like a minute long. And uh, yet another Star Trek Picard trailer uh, that has some familiar faces in it. Yeah, there's a lot. A uh, lot got uh, dropped there in New York, and we have to put it together now. We have to make we've, sense we've of it all. Talk. We've got to pick it up and, mm-hmm. and examine it f- with our uh, Star Trek lens. Mm-hmm. So why don't, why don't we start with uh, Q&A, the uh, oh, yeah. Star Trek Discovery short trek that has been posted. Uh, that's about, what, 14 minutes long, and it features uh, Ensign Spock's first moments, or first, well, they, we don't really know how long it is, but a couple of hours, it seems, on the Enterprise. Right. He's uh, He beams over. And there's a completely, I think, unnecessary scene where he's like waiting to beam over. In in like a, it seemed to me, a malfunctioning transporter room. The lights are flickering. I don't know if I'd want to transport out of that transporter room. Well, and why is this, the shuttle is taking him there, but it can't dock or anything. They they only just do transports, but it's this, and it's, yeah, it's long and weird. It's, you know, it's one of those things where I thought... Um, I mean, they, obviously the script, they wanted to, to see him, you know, beam out of there. But I had, as I was watching it, I was like, why did you make a, this weird transporter set for this and not just have him kind of beam in? I guess they want him to smile at the beginning or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit weird. And then, uh, and then he shows up in, on, uh, on the Enterprise because hashtag they built the sets. That's right. And who, who does he see but number one and, uh, some nameless Richard transporter guy. chief. Richard yeah. <laughs> who's uh, pressing buttons. Uh, number one we see is uh, dictating into her pad some sort of report about tactical weapons or something. Uh, and she is there to greet. I guess she just greets all new crew members as I suppose the first officer is in charge of the crew, right? So yeah. that makes sense that she's there to welcome aboard their new science officer. Uh, and uh, I feel they are playing number one. We, You know, in the original series, we didn't get to see a lot of number one, the character, right. uh, because... She was only in the pilot, right? So uh, they are the number one that we see in Discovery is very close to a Spock-like character. Would you would you uh, agree with that? Yeah, I mean the the thought all along was that like the Gene Roddenberry's original idea was that she was this analytical, calculating, computery kind of thing. A lot of those traits got put onto Spock in the end so yeah i think they've tried to go with that except it's it's very much like how do we show that she's super sharp and analytical while also having her be not just a what what did they say in 1963 walking freezer unit or whatever it was right (laughs) that's right like 
or that was another character, but it's the same thing, right? It's like, it's like let's let's beat the the sexism out of this character's uh, conception and make it that she's a super competent, technical, scientific mind, but also you know a fully realized human being. That's right. She has uh, some some aspects of herself that she doesn't share with others, and we learn in this short trek that's kind of her her leadership strategy is to keep a part of herself to herself yes. and not let others know. But we'll get to that because that's uh, uh, at the very end of, almost of this short trek. Uh, and she's there. Spock is smiling, and then uh, they walk to the turbo lift, uh, and she says, "What does she say? Something like you've been on board for thirty seven seconds, and you haven't asked me a question yet. So uh, start asking." Questions. Question Spock, which is, I guess she's never met Spock before. Seems like a dangerous thing to tell Spock. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that's obviously the uh, elevator pitch of this whole episode, <laughs> oh, right? Did. Which is, what if uh, you got stuck in an elevator with Spock and he was just asking you questions until you were sick of him? <laughs> and she encourages it. I think that's the clever sure. twist is that she doesn't actually get sick of it until uh, much longer, further along than you would think. Right. Uh, until he starts asking her if she likes eggplant. Um, to which we do not know the answer no, if she does don't. or not. If Who we knows? know if she likes hamburgers, we do not know if she likes eggplant. Yes, the story uh, does uh, is not over. Until we find out if she likes eggplant or not. <laughs> Tune in next time to wow. find out. Now, yes. So the thing I want to talk to you about, Jason, is how do turbo lifts work? <laughs> you know, Scott, I don't know. I don't know. She she uh, First off, she says the bridge and then she grabs the little thing, which is not, I think, how you're supposed to do that. I think Mm-mm. you're supposed to grab the thing and then say where you want to yeah, go. I think that activates the... The thing, because you don't want to just be talking about bridges and walking under the turbo lift, and then off you go to the bridge. Yeah, right, exactly. But leaving that aside, I think the producers of Star Trek Discovery, in general, um, have no idea how <laughs> elevators work because the in, in their minds, or at least in the minds of the people who do the special effects, they put in the script exterior turbo lift, and what they have is like the turbo lifts travel in this. <laughs> Like it's like a roller coaster inside the spaceship where there's like vast amounts of space and mm-hmm. other like little shuttlecraft sometimes are zipping around and then there's a, a turbo perplexing. lift on tracks that is like doing loop de loops and stuff and I don't know I've decided personally to just take it as a metaphor and ignore it because um, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that there would be this no. vast empty like space unless unless the turbo lifts are like in subspace or something where that we've never known before but actually that's how they fit more it's bigger on the inside is what i'm trying mm-hmm. to say other than that yes. it doesn't make any uh, like not a bit of sense that of what no. we see and it never has they've done this throughout uh, season two of discovery they had shots like this and it's like i don't know what i'm seeing <laughs> and it makes no sense yes i don't know what i'm seeing and i don't know why you're showing it to me there's no point in you showing this no. to me <laughs> no never in star trek history did we see the elevator from any other perspective but the people in the elevator and that's fine oh well i will say star trek 5 we do see an elevator shaft (laughs) sorry or a turbo lift shaft i should say you've proven my point (laughs) and that's where we we find out that uh on starships they don't number the floors consecutively because spock goes up with his rocket boots and the numbers are out of order yeah there, again, it's all it's subspace, man. It's twisty turny. It's, that's it's, it's, it's very canon perplexing. now. Yep. It is. So yeah, that's the whole thing. They get into the turbo lift, they're off to the bridge, and uh the turbo lift malfunctions, and now uh number one is stuck in the turbo lift with Spock, who is uh 
there's a nice scene where they're not talking to each other uh, or a moment, I should say, because, you know, they're uh, and she says, you know, people don't talk on elevators. And Spock says he's noticed that. Uh, and then she says, well, we're, we're not going to waste time here. Let's uh, continue asking me questions. And he asks her a bunch of questions. Um, and she there that we hear the voice of the engineer. Yes. Whose name I don't remember. Yeah, I don't Something. remember either. But the, uh, she has a uh, an accent reminiscent of uh, yeah. I Scotty. think she's got a Scottish accent too. And then we do see her. I think she pops her head in. Is over? You know when they when they try to evacuate them later. But yeah. Yes. Or that's they send another crew. Or it's a different to, a different yes, one. Uh, yeah. Repelling down the yeah, which there's also big well, budget. There's lots of sets and multiple actors in this one. It's true, but the, so the. My main problem it relates to uh, what I shall now call turbo lift space because if their their solution is that we're going to send someone to rappel down, but based on what the exterior of the turbo shaft turbo lift shaft looks like, how are you going to rappel down? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Jason, you just, it doesn't. You just make get sense. you just like uh, get a hang glider and fly around for a while <laughs> until you find the elevator. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, and so there are a bunch of questions. He asks uh, Spock asks what uh, number one's name is. That's actually his first question, and she won't tell him uh and then he asks her a number of questions about uh i don't know uh, tactics and what operating system the ship's computers run which i thought was funny yeah uh and you know what um uh, uh replicator matrix they use apparently they use one of uh, number one's development that makes tastier more nutritious food mm-hmm. uh, which is always so she's just on the side she's a replicator programmer apparently <laughs> well you know, she uh, she likes hamburgers, and the hamburgers weren't tasting very good, yeah, so she I, needed to fix it. I think that's probably right. And all you know, everybody's got their thing, right? Like she thinks that the uh, that the glucose is wrong in the replicators, and Pike thinks that uh, the holograms stink. So it's fine. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and oh, and also, so one of Spock's questions is, "Tell me three things important things uh, to know about the captain." So we get a little glimpse into Pike, and she tells him. Uh, some interesting, interesting things. Uh, the first two I don't remember, but they seemed right on in his character. The third one is that he's not sentimental except about horses, which led me to immediately message you, Jason, and ask you why every Starfleet captain apparently is obsessed with horses. I, uh, so two things. One is we see this right in, in the, the cage that his dream is like to go and ride out on a horse and he's got a favorite horse and all of that. Like in his first Telosian fantasy, he's got, you know, he's, he's got a horse. So, so it's, it's, it's a callback. And, uh, two, the best I can come up with, Scott, is that, uh, riding on a horse is like being a captain. You're like in charge <laughs> of a thing and, mm-hmm. you know, you're the captain of that horse. So that's my best guess. <laughs> it is, it is a meat starship that you ride across the plains. <laughs> sure. That's right. Or wherever, you know, wherever. Oh, yeah, I guess but yeah, you're the captain can go. of your own destiny that, on that horse. Yeah. I will admit I've never ridden a horse because it uh horses are very big and uh they slightly are. frightening. Yes, and not very bright. And uh no. yes, I've been in a horse and buggy accident. Uh so Really? Yes. Were you in the horse and buggy? Yes. Well, I was <laughs> and then I was uh, ejected from it by the runaway horses, you know. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. That sounds uh terrifying. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, horses, watch out. <laughs> That's They're my right. enemy. I I'm not sentimental about horses. No. Keep them away from me. Yeah, but uh Pike <laughs> feels differently. So that's that's he does. He that's, does. that's cute. This is I mean this whole episode is uh let's put 
Spock at number one in a, in a, a little uh, turbo lift and have a little Let's conversation that is, we can learn about her, we can learn about mm-hmm. him, and we can learn about what life is like on Pike's Enterprise a little bit without having too many sets and too many actors for most of it, yes. which is, uh, I think that is a fitting use of a short trek. I think so. And I, it gets to the kind of, I, I would I would argue the emotional core is the exchange where uh, number one says, oh, were you uh, smiling? And I've, you know, I don't expect a Vulcan to spa, smile. It's surprising. And Spock says, oh, I will never do it again. And she says, oh, no, I would never ask you to do that. One of the most important things about the crew is their diversity. So uh, I just want you to be cognizant of what your actions may have on other people, how they may take it. Right. And, uh, and he said, she says something about you have to keep a part of yourself. What does she say? You have to keep your freaky to yourself, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and Spock says, I have done that my whole life. And I thought that was, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I thought that was very appropriate that she said, yes, me too. And her secret that she, um, or her freaky, I guess, that she shares yeah. with, uh, Spock is that she, is a Gilbert and Sullivan fan because mm-hmm. if there's one thing, if you don't like horses as a Starfleet officer, you have to like Gilbert and Sullivan. That's about right. Um, unless you're Captain Picard, I, then you like both. I appreciate <laughs> uh, the sentiment here and wish she had kept this a secret. But you <laughs> not know. a Gilbert and Sullivan fan. Yeah. You don't like light operetta. Uh, you know, I don't know. It was it was okay. It was it was. It felt a little <laughs> felt a little strained that they made that that poor uh, Rebecca Romaine made her have to sing and dance around in a turbo lift. It's a little embarrassing, but whatever. It's fine. I I like. I mean, ultimately, the payoff is that uh, of what you said too about uh, holding something to yourself, but also them understanding about the different kinds of people who are on the ship. Is when he does mm-hmm. get to the bridge at the end, which is uh, hashtag they built the sets they we do get a bridge and i I think they made some very clever uh things when they were casting and planning out this season of short treks in that you know anson mount has one scene in here and i feel like they they like signed these people to be like you're going to be in this one for the whole thing and then you're going to be in one scene in this one and make it feel a little more expansive which is really Mm -hmm. really great but when um he comes on the bridge, uh, Anson Mount, as Pike says, at ease, and he says, it's not really my thing, sir, basically. <laughs> and, and, and Pike's response is, I, I hear you, basically. Like, I get it. And right. uh, it's like, that's what this ship is, is everybody gets to gets a little space to be themselves. And I think, mm-hmm. that's, uh, I think that's cool. Also, she pretends to not know his name, which I think is also <laughs> fun, like, to let that interaction go on and that she's not going to, like, take her under take him under her wing and be like, Oh, this is Spock, Spock. This is, she's just going to let him do the interaction thing. Yeah. And that's kind of her signal to, Hey Spock, uh, the thing in the turbo lift never happened. So don't tell anybody. I like Gilbert and Sullivan. No. (laughs) And I will say the beginning starts off with a, uh, a little throwback to, uh, early Spock as well, because when he's on the enterprise and he's very excited and he's, talking very loudly and number one says you don't have to shout yeah, that's good. he does he does a reporting for duty and uh that makes me laugh because that's shouty spock that's young shouty spock as we saw mm-hmm. him in the cage and in the uh, uh where no man ha- has gone before as well so yeah that's that was great love love shouty shouty spock. Spock. so yeah overall what did what you think of this short trek yeah you Seriously? know it is it is uh 
I thought it was fine. I thought it was good um, because I like to see these characters again. And I want to see the Enterprise, and I like that we got to see Pike at the end a little bit. Um, I, I was sad that we weren't going to see them again after last season of Discovery, so I was really mm-hmm. happy to see them again. It's not enough, and, and no. these are character pieces, which is great, because would there be room for something like this in any other format? I think probably not. No. Um, but at the same time, I'm also kind of hungry for a bigger story with these characters, which is which is not what we get here. I have a... Um, I have conspiracy theory, but before we do that, I want, I want to ask you, how did you feel about this one? Uh, I liked it. I think much like you, it seeing those sets once again reminded me that I really want them to make an Enterprise TV uh, show, a show yeah. set on this Enterprise yeah. uh, because these actors work really well together. The updated sets look great, uh, and I think that they could do a lot with it, but I don't think they are going to, so any little bit that I can get, I will take. So I enjoyed it, and I thought it was, it was a little goofy. Uh, it yeah. was dedicated, I think, to Michael Chabon's father, so that was nice. Uh, so yeah. I say thumbs up. I uh, So here's my conspiracy theory, or whatever it is, my wild theory, which is... Uh, over the listen to the music that plays over the end credits, and tell me that that doesn't sound like the theme song of the Enterprise Pike's Enterprise TV series that is undoubtedly <laughs> it, it in does. development right now. Is what I'm oh. saying. So I did. I will say I did. I don't usually notice the music in these kinds of things, but I did notice that music, and I thought, oh, that sounds cool because it's literally just a variation. It's just a step off from the original Star Trek theme, as if it was like the proto-theme from mm-hmm. Pike's Enterprise before the the Kirk's Enterprise theme that we already know. And I, I got a kick out of it. It's a nice piece. I'm not quite sure who composed it because there are a couple mysterious credits. There's an opening theme thing, which is the guy who did, did the opening theme for Discovery. But I think that's the one at the beginning that is the Discovery theme. And then there's yes. a credit that is music supervisor Michael Giacchino, who oh. has he been credited on any of these before? I don't think he has. I don't and, and so I'm going to throw that into the mix. Is was he involved in that? Is that a piece oh. of music he did? Maybe he did it for one of the Star Trek movies and it didn't get used or something, and they used uh, it here. That's possible. Maybe. But I'm just going to say I, w- I have questions about that music <laughs> that's playing at the end. Jeff Russo does the regular main title, but then supervising composer Michael Giacchino. What is going on there? Mm. Um, and it's not like they're going to pay Michael Giacchino to make uh, music for a short track. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I totally do want that show. I had never really thought of it, but the idea that how do you bring back star trek on tv and we've seen all of these different variations and another crew another ship another enterprise in the future and all of that and the pike the pike thing is like i'd never really considered that like do the do do the pike on the enterprise thing and it, it is a prequel but in a different kind of way and with the modern uh, the sets and the and the effects and all i think it could be and these actors it could be a lot of fun but if we don't get that i'm glad they've at least made an effort in the meantime to give uh to let these actors continue to play in star trek i think that's my the biggest bit of gratitude is that we get a couple of these short treks with these actors so mm. Um, you know, and I'm not sure whether that's because they're never going to do that show or whether it's because they really want to do that show, but they have too many other shows in development. So they're going to just kind of have an ongoing relationship with the actors to keep them engaged. But either way, I'm happy to see more with Spock and, and Pike and number one. 
And I have to, I have to think that this is not the last we have seen of these characters. Even I don't know if more of the short I, treks will I, feature them. I but believe I feel at like... least one more short trek features um, features Pike. Well, Pike Pike's in the trailer for the one that's coming out in a couple of days. Oh, that's right. Um, and, and I think what they did with Anson Mount is that they've got him in like a couple of scenes of other short treks, and then there's one that he is in as the main character. And and like I said. Uh-huh earlier i think that's really smart like instead of it being well we have a you know one actor for this and then everybody and then like two other characters that we'll cast um they are trying maybe to be a little more uh, clever with how they pay the actors and then use them so Mm -hmm. that it seems like there's more here than there maybe actually is in terms of their budget i don't know right and so they avoid the problem we had with the previous short treks where it felt like, you know, Tilly was on an empty discovery. Yes. Tilly and, make a lot and, that, of sense. and one other character. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, well, I am hopeful that we will see more. I'm hopeful that your conspiracy uh, corner theory uh, turns out to be true, because uh, if you had told me uh, a couple of years ago that I would be excited to see more Rebecca Romaine in Star Trek, I would think, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Not that I had anything, nothing wrong against Rebecca Romaine, but her name and Star Trek and having more Star Trek wouldn't, it would boggle huh? my little yeah. mind, but Here we uh, are. I'm on board. Yeah. Give it to me. Give it to me. All, all right. Uh, and her ex-husband is in uh, another Star Trek, uh, the animated series that's going to come out oh, in, interesting. Uh, whenever it's coming out. So, yes, that's right. There you go. But we're not, there's no trailer for that, so we're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about, since we're in kind of Discovery Land, uh, let's stay in Discovery Land and uh, transition to the Season 3 trailer. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, I was going to say... I would not be surprised if these characters from Enterprise show up, uh, from the Enterprise, I should say, the characters from Star Trek Enterprise are not showing up anymore, uh, in Discovery, except that, you know, there was a question, we had a question when Discovery ended, oh, spoilers, if you haven't seen Discovery Season 2, we're going to talk about what happens at the end of the Season 2, uh, they go someplace, and we think, well, are they really going to set the next season 930 years in the future or are they going to have like a cheat and they'll be back uh in the the time frame that they were in turns out according to this trailer at least part of it uh, they're going to be spending time 930 years into the future and that's the that's what the producers have said too so unless they're just this is a grand game and they're lying that like and i believe them mostly because they seem to have contorted the entire season two plot just to get them to the future and out (laughs) of the past and so they don't have to be a prequel anymore and uh so instead we get it's still i have to say scott i said this um in our last discovery flashcast um and I still feel this way watching this trailer, which is it unnerves me a little bit. It, and it's it's stupid because it's just it's just fiction, but it unnerves me that discovery is going to this place that we haven't seen before because mm-hmm. it's not just that it's going 930 years in the future from Star Trek Discovery Season 2, but it's going hundreds of years in the future from any Star Trek we've seen, which means mm-hmm. every canon decision they make about the future of the federation and all the races in the galaxy and all that like is canon then more or less right it's like well this is how this story is going to go at the Mm -hmm. same time it is super exhilarating because it means they can do anything anything and not just mess around with the existing status quo and it has been a long time right it's been since voyager went off the air really that that was the case 
Yes, and they can. So they can clearly from this trailer, there are some alien races that we recognize, but they're doing things and in groupings that seem unusual. Yes. Yes, uh, it, it's and- a combination of nostalgia and yet to, and yet something new, which is really nice. Like, what are mm-hmm. the Endorians doing? What are they? There's a there's a a Morn. Morn, yes. Whatever. I forget what Morn's like, race with a, is. But- with a gun running around. <laughs> like, what is that all about? What is and trill? There are a bunch of trill. It's it's yeah. uh, banana pants. That's what I say. It is. And there's a very. Um, I don't know if you thought this. There's a very foundation moment. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Where there's a, a guy that they're talking to who <laughs> seems like he's a hologram. Um, and, uh, and he has like a Federation a flag, flag. <laughs> and, and it's almost like the, the plot of this season, which I was wondering if this was going to be it. Cause the, the guy who's walking with Burnham in this trailer, um, basically says that her badge is like a legend or something like that. And she's very upset because mm-hmm. this means the Federation isn't known, which means something happened, which is very bad. Um, and then he, apparently this guy is going to show up and, and be like, well, I've got the Feder- I don't know, Federation archive here and it's your job to go back and reestablish the Federation or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's fun. It's, it is a little bit Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, but, uh, that's yes. okay. That's a, it's a fun idea. <laughs> It is a fun idea, and I do like the idea that this guy, who is probably a hologram, has been sitting in this white room just waiting for someone to walk in so he can dramatically unfurl his flag. Yes, for, for <laughs> like 700 years he's been waiting to drop that flag. Actually, drop it dropped, flag. he drops it every year, dusts it off, puts it back up. <laughs> Maybe he removes a star every once in a while because there aren't as many stars as there used to be on it. So Right. Uh, Ooh, and, uh, good, oh, see? good note. Mm-hmm. Only six stars. And what does it mean? I don't what know. Is, I don't know what it means. Uh, and also, so we see uh, now. There's a. I don't know if this is going to happen or not, Jason. But I am hoping that we may encounter the Dax symbiote uh, because there is. Uh, we see many trill, and we see Michael Burnham kind of floating in a white, milky trill. I'm assuming trill pool. Uh huh. <laughs> so tr- I, I'm going to tr- guess rule. Uh, true. Yes, that's what they call it, Undrill. <laughs> so we might see, we might see the Dex symbiote. Maybe not, but but I'm hopeful. I don't know how long do the do, do the trill live. The symbiotes. I, I feel like they they just uh, hop from uh, healthy body to healthy body, just, forever, you know, nourishing themselves and taking people's youth and uh, making sure they live Interesting. forever. Interesting. Well, maybe. Also, like. there's an implication because there's a, a shot of. Uh, Burnham with a bunch of different hairstyles that um, mm-hmm. maybe that that part of the the plot is some time travel um, shenanigans where she by the time Discovery catches up with her she's been there a while she's been there right. for she months something like I've spent a year looking for the inflection point or something like that yeah so that's that's a fun uh, that's a fun little twist that they can do with her having gone in the little time suit in front of uh, Discovery following her and we do see you know Tilly and Saru, and ultimately the the crew of Discovery is going to be reunited reunited with her. But there's a lot of uh, I don't know. It's I mean it's a teaser trailer, and it's not coming until you know uh, later in 2020. Um, but it's nice to get a first glance and see what they're doing. And uh, and and I think I'm really looking forward to it being just completely free of they can play in the universe and they can play with the the races and the ships and all of that stuff but they don't have to mess around with um with canon anymore and that's that's good that's better i think
I agree. And uh, and Saru says something about, you know, we're we're far from home, but now it's our mission to make this future brighter than it was before or something like that. So I think they're they're keeping the spirit of Star Trek alive in the future. Uh, and so it's exciting to see what will happen yeah. with our friends on the Discovery. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Now, speaking of friends, look at this. That's a professional podcaster yeah. segue well done. there, I saw what Jason. you did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we can go visit an old friend. Oh. Uh, ah, see? Uh, good old Captain Jean-Luc Picard. I, I thought you were or... going to say, speaking of friends, Captain Picard doesn't have any anymore. Oh, no. no. He still has friends. He does. They're he just, has lots, uh, lots of friends, it turns out. He has many friends. Captain Picard, or I don't It's unclear what uh, rank he made before he retired but it is clear he retired yes um and so yes we're going to talk about star trek picard there is another uh new york comic-con trailer that was i think the third picard trailer perhaps uh someone can correct me if i'm wrong um and we see a lot of stuff that we haven't seen before now Mm -hmm. the big question jason uh so data yeah is in it i'm pretty sure i think we both agree that this is a, a dream data and data is not like resurrected this is absolutely a dream data right because it's it's in this in the first one they're playing cards and people speculated it was a dream data Mm -hmm. but this one he's like painting a mysterious (laughs) picture and and imparting mysterious wisdom to picard who then literally who then wakes up and has his face licked (laughs) by his dog number one so it's pretty sure he's he's dreamed and picard in this dream is wearing his captain's uniform right they're both wearing um, their uniforms that mm -hmm. as we as we saw them uh back in in the show so it's it's definitely his his dream but data you know has has something to impart to Picard. I think that's very interesting, yes. but he's, his, he's his definitely dream. Is working on it. Yeah. And we see some, some interesting ships blowing up uh, stuff. And, uh, there's a lot of, uh, well, we'll get to it. My, the yeah. most exciting thing for me is a particular ship that shows up, but w- yes. we, we can get to that. Uh, so we, I feel like the thrust of this is, uh, once again, you know, Captain Picard is older, he's retired, he's bored, and he wants to get back and make a difference, right? Very yeah. kind of shades of Captain Kirk's journey in the, the original series movies, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and he, in this case, he's had a, a falling out with, Starfleet apparently because he's he's told an, an ambassador or no an admiral in this basically says you know you don't work here anymore get out is basically what she says <laughs> he has to spell his name for the receptionist oh, at yeah. Starfleet headquarters make him very angry that's, that's you could see he's his his uh, unbridled rage as he yeah. puts that visitor badge on yeah exactly right um, so there's that um, but he he you know the arrival of this unexpected visitor who may be you know very meaningful and she's you know very important in some way leads him on a on an adventure and i think one of the things i noted about this trailer is that this trailer is partially because they have some special effects now which they didn't really have before um trying to hit home that like yeah stuff's gonna happen in this one like there will be adventure and it won't just be a bunch of conversations in various rooms in the future right it'll be there's there's a little more action adventure implied Mm -hmm. here than we've seen before in the picard stuff i think and we have some interesting shots of what look to me like ranks of Soong type androids. Yes, there's a there's a guy with uh, a bald guy with F eight on his head wearing mm-hmm. a uh, wearing a, and you know we knew about B four and all of that and it, it makes me wonder 
whether a lot of us have been speculating about, you know, what the Borg has to do with this, because there's a Borg cube. We see that shot again. And there's the, you know, Mm -hmm. how many days since last assimilation. But we also see this shot now. And it's like, is there a kind of an artificial intelligence kind of storyline that's going on here where we've got Soong androids? We've got the ghost of data. We've got Borg stuff like I'm I'm intrigued by what this all might mean. I am indeed as well. Plus, we've got Romulans in the mix. We do. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, I'm not quite sure where they're going with it, but I want to go with them. Yeah, Vasquez Rocks makes an appearance. The yes. rock formation that always, uh, always uh, uh, is in Star Trek. Uh, we see a little more Jerry Ryan. She explains that Seven of Nine is like I help the helpless or whatever she That's says. Right. She's, she's like a, a member of the ATM. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but but she gets to fire some some phasers and stuff. So she's she's she going to get has, some action dual wielding. And then we get some uh, more shots of the of the crew of whatever the ship is that Picard takes. And this is the you know you know the Firefly ship. <laughs> it's basically, basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and most exciting. I was so excited when I saw this shot, uh, the first shot of an old school Romulan bird of prey. Yes. OMG. I'm assuming my assumption is that, you know, the Romulan Star Empire has uh, suffered this cataclysmic um, happening and Picard has helped. I think we all that's part of his backstory. And they, they I'm assuming they are just kind of going through their mothballed ships and right. trying to cobble together something. Uh, and so that's why we see this super old ship again uh, in combat. And it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to see the classic uh, from the original series, you know balance of terror bird of prey mm-hmm. and uh you know what's that all about it's a it's a mystery but yeah that was a fun fun little uh little tidbit i See, love it i thought well, speaking of old hardware i thought you were saying that you, you love that uh <laughs> love that jonathan frakes is in. <laughs> so jason what happens when you retire from starfleet you you apparently uh go to a remote location yes, you go in the woods. and either become uh a vinter uh or yeah. uh find yourself a burlap sack yeah yeah what Riker is wearing so first off he's wearing like a like a uh, an apron but then later mm-hmm. in the other shots he's just why why do retired starfleet fleet, fleet starfleet people wear mo- like monochrome subdued rough hewn <laughs> clothing like again i mean it's not quite breaker lives in a burlap sack now but kind of like close he's he you can see a burlap sack just, from where he I, lives i just don't know <laughs> I just don't know. It's funny. I just I had that thought of like, is this what happens? Is this our conception of retired Starfleet officers? Is they just kind of go out and go camping for the rest of their lives? They're out in nature, and that's. Yeah, I guess you know they've been surrounded by technology. Uh, they just want to get back to the the basics. Yeah, and, so and live you know, the simple life. So Riker is like uh, got a waffle iron or something, and he's he's making waffles and <laughs> he's uh, making waffles, and Captain and- Picard shows up. The, and of course, Troy, uh, is, who is wearing not a burlap sack, is there? And, no, uh, she she is allowed to have color in her clothing. Apparently, yes. so you know, good for her. And apparently, they have a child t- together. Yes, uh, we hear we hear that. Uh, Dad, John John Luc Picard is here. It's uh, it's funny. It is funny because Riker's like, stop yelling. Yeah, like, John Luc Picard is here. And there's a nice little scene where they're sitting on like a little dock or something and they're uh, just having some camaraderie. And Picard says, thank you, Riker, for not trying to talk me out of this. Uh, also, I named my dog after you. Yeah, well, I was uh, going to say, there's the when, when does he get around to the fact that the dog, we named the dog number one. Um, but also, I wanted to point out the parallelism in this trailer because it begins with Picard uh, cuddling up against number one, the dog, and oh, it ends yes. with Picard cuddling up against number one, the person. <laughs> Picard is nothing. 
anything without his number one. He's got to have one. He's got to have a number one close by. It's either Riker or this dog. That's it. That's all you got. That's right. So, Jason, let me ask you. So the whole point of these trailers, right, is to to make you excited and you want to see more. So are you excited for, uh, what is it, uh, January 23rd? Yes, 2020, to to watch the first episode of Star Trek Picard based on this trailer? I am. I really am. I'm very excited. This looks really great. Uh, And not just a nostalgia trip. I mean, it's what they said all along, that they wanted to do something and tell an interesting story and take this character in some new places and... And uh, and not just have it be the Star Trek The Next Generation reunion show. And <laughs> right. it doesn't it looks like they're going to do that, which excites me a lot. And uh, I'm also looking forward to talking about it with you um, yes. starting January 23rd. Is that an I'm announcement? Did we just announce that we're going to do it? Because we're we're totally going to going to flashcast Star Trek yes. Picard. Come on. I don't, I don't know what the flashcast is going to be called, but uh, we're going to do it. Uh, and we, I'm quite excited as well. Yeah, we have some serious format issues. Do we start another flashcast that lives oh, alongside no. this one? Well, hmm. I I don't. I got. I don't know. I got network podcast network <laughs> management issues that I've had to deal with between uh, now you, and January 23rd. Th- that's why they pay you the big bucks, we'll Jason. You could figure that out. We'll I'm assuming out. they're there. Well, I was about to say something, but I don't know if it really checks out. I was going to say I'm assuming there are people who will watch Discovery but not watch Picard, but that seems no, unlikely. I think it's more likely that people will watch Picard who didn't watch Discovery only mm, because they're true. like, bah, humbug, new new Star Trek, who cares? And then they're like, but but Ooh. Picard, ooh. And then <laughs> they'll, me more. they'll come back into the fold for that. So that may, be, that may be the case too. Yes. And I feel like the sense I get from these trailers, and this could be completely wrong, but the sense I get from it is that they are sprinkling in the original, uh, the next generation characters kind of, you know, they're being uh, very uh, deployed tactically. Yes. So I think Data will show up a couple times in kind of these dream sequences. And I think he probably just visits Riker once to kind of, you know, have a moment and for some reason. But I don't Waffles. think that like, Riker is going to say, let me take off my burlap up sack and don my no, adventuring no. gear and no. join you. He's going to serve. He's going to, you know, he's there for for a check-in or for a piece of information or for a favor and then he'll move mm-hmm. on and they'll, yeah it definitely feels like that now i've heard rumors that they're already making their plans to shoot the second season of picard which is encouraging Ooh. i think yes. that's i think that they've said that they think it's a multi-season story um and i have heard rumors that some other star trek people have been asked if they're available so it sounds like this may also be part of the kind of ongoing plan is that yes of course picard is going to run into characters you've seen before in you know it's about him and his journey and there will be new characters too but yes of course you're going to get your next generation nostalgia here and there too they're not going to let that go they spent so long together they're friends exactly so and especially that last i just watched the last um the last half of the the final episode of TNG, um, all good things, yep. and it ends such a great way of ending with him joining the the poker game for the first time in that shot of uh, overhead. Um, yep, it, and it's so good, and and that tells you, you know, at the end that they're they're not just coworkers, they're friends. Exactly. So of course he's gonna in times of crisis he's gonna turn to his friends, uh, and they're gonna show up and help him if they can. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're I. It sounds like you're. Uh, you're as excited as I am about this. Uh, I am very yeah. excited. Not yeah. only is there new Star Trek, but the Romulans somehow play a part in this. And we mm. all know how much I like Romulans. Yeah, we do. So. We do know that. You're, <laughs> another, you're an otherwise perfect person. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, I know. No, I was excited about it, too. This is uh, I, I love Balance of Terror a lot. And so seeing that ship again was a lot of fun. And, uh, and I just like with Discovery, uh, you know, this is set 
outside the realm of what we know about Star Trek future mm-hmm. history. And that gives them the ability to um, not just tell new stories without worrying about upsetting canon, but also make some interesting kind of decisions about where they want to take bits of the canon and remix them and do different things with them. And uh, that's fun because it the the fundamental thing, as much as I enjoy enjoyed the first two seasons of discovery and uh you know enterprise had moments and then other moments where it wasn't good but the problem is when you're dealing with the past you're you're really limited in what you can do you can't you can't make something new you can just offer new perspectives on what already right. exists and i know you know this is why i even though i'm enthusiastic about a pike enterprise show i feel like the only way you could do that show is by saying they're going off on another five-year mission and mm-hmm. like leave the storyline of what's happening back or basically leave it behind and just tell stories where they are exploring weird planets and learning things because once you, you once you're left dabbling in the canon it just you're just playing with a you're 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 i don't know you're painting by numbers the the art's already there and you're just adding the colors it's like mm-hmm. it's so different to be able to say oh yeah the romulans are lost their empire and now have all their old ships out of mothballs and like oh well that's interesting or sunga androids and the borg are maybe related in some way and isn't that <laughs> it like yes mm-hmm. i want i want new ideas in star trek that can do whatever they want without worrying about breaking canon. Right. And I feel like it is when you set a show in the past with a, uh, uh, in a universe such as Star Trek, it's a higher level of difficulty, right? Because you're, you're walking sure. this tightrope of we need to tell new stories, but there's all this established stuff that we can't right. go against. Right. Nobody mentioned the Borg and nobody see a Romulan. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and it kind of, it narrows your focus. It, it kind of, it, it, it uh, handcuffs you to yeah. certain things. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, Jason, but uh, Star Trek fans notice inconsistencies. Turns out. So yeah. uh, if, if you do something and you don't, because then, you know, if you want to say for Enterprise, like, oh, we want to use the Borg, uh, let's create this, you know, convoluted story that the Borg crash landed on Earth and they got frozen for a hundred years and they got thawed out and it just, it's, it's, it's just not really worth the effort. I feel like, yeah. Um, and that being said, I thought discovery did it really well and I like discovery, but I think season three is going to be, I wager possibly the best season we've seen yet, just I, because they won't have to be in those guardrails. They certainly have all the potential to to do it Uh, you know i think also discovery as we know um as well known had a troubled beginning it was Mm -hmm. conceived as something very different by brian fuller and then they changed it and he got fired or left or whatever they they've had a falling out and then they went through multiple showrunners and season two really is an attempt by the the producers to kind of undo or explain everything that ended up being really weird about season one and then in the end to get them out of there so they didn't have to do it so you know i i think part of that was how do we start doing star trek again on tv after so long how do we do that and you know brian fuller's original idea was an anthology kind of set of seasons and uh they decided to not go with that but then they're stuck with the show that's set in the pike era what do they do so um Today's Star Trek group at CBS All Access, led by Alex Kurtzman, 
they're in a very different place than they were when they were conceptualizing Discovery. And you you can see it, but also, like, Discovery's first two seasons really did bear the burden of, like, well, how are we going to launch Star Trek again? And what are the decisions we're going to make? And now they're part of a, you know, a, a larger strategy with a bunch of different shows. And, you know, I think that's good for all of them because none of them has to fly the banner of Star Trek and have that burden by themselves. And so mm-hmm. I think that'll be make Discovery, not only are they out from the burden of canon, but they're also out from the burden of being the only Star Trek show. And, they, and you know, with any luck, they'll, they'll never go back to being that because we're going to start seeing more Star Trek. And um, I'm also encouraged, something we haven't talked about, but CBS and Viacom are getting back together. Um, and uh, Viacom, which is own, owns Paramount, um, had the movies and CBS had the TV. And so for Star Trek purposes, they haven't said this, I think, but like it only makes sense that maybe in the end, the people who are doing all these shows will basically be the owners of Star Trek going forward. And if they make other movies, you know, maybe they do that, but it, it will be, you know, one group kind of figuring out what they want to do with Star Trek. And I think that's really good, too. So I'm, I'm encouraged about the future of Star Trek now in a way that I, I wasn't even a couple of years ago because they seem to have gotten the you know, the operation up and running again, because it was like those Romulan uh, birds of prey. It, they were in mothballs for a while. Yes. And that's what makes me so excited about Picard, because I think that they have a creative team that they know what they want to do with Star Trek now. Uh, whereas before with the first season of Discovery, they were trying to still figure it out, even, you know, halfway through writing and producing the show they were trying to figure out what they were doing with it uh and with picard certainly it has a very set viewpoint and a kind of a stable creative team from the beginning so far at least right for the first season so i feel like the first season will be uh of higher quality than we are accustomed to with star trek series uh and that being said i thought discovery first season was very good so uh despite all of its uh, uh problems yeah so I'm excited. I'm excited about the new Star Trek. I know I keep saying this, but we're living in a golden age it, of Star Trek. It, it was Jason. a long time there, a long time where we did not have Star Trek. So it's nice that it's it's back and that machine is up and running now. And I'm reminded, Scott, this actually feels a lot like it did when Doctor Who came back in 2005 because mm-hmm. there was like mm-hmm. this long barren period where there was no Doctor Who. And, and um, it always seemed inevitable that Star Trek would come back, which was not the case with Doctor Who, but otherwise very similar kind of feeling, which is like you go from from having nothing to having kind of an embarrassment of riches like doctor who was like what it's going to be back every year and they did 14 episodes a year and it was a big hit and it's like really did that just happen and i feel like that is happening with star trek now which is uh, fantastic i'm i'm very excited about it and um and uh, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic that the Picard show is on Amazon in the rest of the world, ra- on Amazon Prime rather than on Netflix. And that will be an interesting thing to see how uh, people react, uh, because I, there will probably be grumpy people who are Netflix people <laughs> who don't. We're going to have to spend to see spend Captain money. Picard, but um, mm-hmm. you know, we we just have to pay CBS all access. We just have to pay CBS, and will, I will keep paying CBS until they change the name of it to Paramount Plus. Oh no! Don't do it. <laughs> Or, or, or like uh, they'll take a a, a page from uh, NBC and call it like the I, the I, yeah, I plus, <laughs> yes, I plus versus it goes in uh, your eyeball. <laughs> it makes sense. Brilliant, creepy. CBS, if you're listening, Jason's Don't, available no. for branding cons- consultation. <laughs> they could just call it. Oh, my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I, right, well, I, I think we're going to be back sooner than we think because apparently think so. the there is another uh, short trek dropping as we record this tomorrow. We won't be back tomorrow, but no, we, will we will be not. back. I think pretty soon to talk about that one, and there's a there's Tribbles in it, and also H. John yes. Benjamin, Bob from Bob's Burgers, so <laughs> everybody's um, favorite. That's right, and and also he's in those uh, those Arby's commercials. So um, we have the meats, and they're they're Tribbles. <laughs> they're Tribbles. 